chapter 7. And so I need you to multitask if you can, get to one of those scriptures, put your finger in it, put a piece of paper in it, something, and flip over to the other, Luke chapter 15 and Romans chapter 7. I want you to, um, to think for just a moment about a time where maybe you've experienced regret. Anybody here ever regretted saying something? Ever regretted doing something? Ever looked back and just thought, man, what was I thinking? Um, As I thought about regret this week, I'm 47, and I think I came up with more than 47 things. That I really regret words that have come out of my mouth, actions that I've been a part of, um, maybe things that I've typed or text that that you want to take back, and yet... Unfortunately, um, we're not like the, uh, you know, the, the Wonder Twins from the, from the superheroes years ago. Wonder Twin powers activate. Can't go back in time. You, you can't go back and untype that, that email. You can't go back and um, take those words back. You can apologize. You can step up and say, wow, I don't know what I was thinking. But you can't really go back. The world is chalked full of people who have experienced great regret. I've spent time with, uh, with several parents outside of the Clinton area recently, and several of them are really struggling with children that you could describe as prodigal. And, and one of their real regrets uh, is that they lived their lives like they did when they were teenagers, and one of them just simply said, I think God is paying me back for all that I did as a 16-year-old. I I don't think that's the case, but that's what he was feeling. Some of them regret not taking parenting more seriously when their children were four or five or six years of age. Regret. Regret is a real deal. And I would say this, if you've never experienced regret, if you've never said, why did I say such a thing? Why did I think such a thing? Why did I do such a thing? Can I meet with you afterwards? I need to get inside your mind. I, try to, I need to try to figure out how you've been able to travel down that road because I don't know anyone in this world that's being honest that would say they really have zero regrets. There is um, an activity, a season of life, shall I say, that takes place within the Amish community, many Amish communities, and it's called Rumspringa. Anybody heard of Rumspringa? Um, obviously, if you know anything about the Amish, you know that they're, they're a lot different than most of us. Um, many who are what I would call hardcore in their beliefs, um, they're not driving pickup trucks and Honda Accords. Um, they're doing the, the horse and buggy. Um, or may, maybe a bicycle. Maybe a bicycle. They, um, many of them don't use electricity. Many of them are incredibly, incredibly basic. Their, their dress would not be described as flashy. And yet in many Amish communities, there's a period of time when they allow their teenagers, sometimes it happens between the years of 14 to 16, other communities it's maybe 16 to 21, where, where they basically say, you can leave the community You don't have to follow the rules of the community anymore. You can go down any road you choose for a time, six months, a year, maybe up to two years, 
But at the end of that time, you have a choice to make. You come back to the community, you're baptized into the church, and you commit to live your life according to the Amish ideals for the rest of your life, or we are done with you. If you choose the world, you are done. You are no longer part of the community. You are no longer welcome in the community. Choose this day what you want to do with your life. And so when I read about Rumspringa and I think about Amish um, communities, it takes me to, to, to the parable that we're looking at today, the parable of the prodigal son. They weren't Amish, but the younger son said, I'm out of here. I can't travel down that road any longer. Before we get there, however, I want to take you to Romans chapter 7. And I want to share with you the words of the greatest missionary the world has ever seen. The Apostle Paul, during the first century world, literally traveled all over the world. This man was beaten. This man was stoned. And I don't mean stoned in a 21st century connotation. I mean they threw boulders at him and almost killed him. This man came as close as you can come to losing his life for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the gospel, and he kept coming back for more. How many of us, if we were missionaries, and say we went to Africa or we went to South, we went somewhere, And we had this terrible experience. Maybe we were shot, or maybe we were beaten, or maybe we were abused in some way. How many of us would sign up for more? Most of us would say, God, I've done my duty. 61727, here I come, and I'm going to stay. Paul kept coming back for more. And so when I think about Paul after his conversion, when I think about Paul the missionary, I think of kind of the ultimate hero of the faith. I think of someone that literally had it all together. Listen to the words of Paul in Romans chapter 7. He says, I don't understand what I do. What I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, it's the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. And then down in verse 24, he concludes, what a wretched man am I. And those are words of a civil war. Those are words of a spiritual tug of war. Paul's saying, I want to follow Jesus, but I keep on sinning. Paul's saying, I want to be different, but I keep falling back into the old way of life. Paul might be saying, I know I'm a new creation, but I can't let go of the old. And guess what? For a lot of us, maybe most of us, we're being honest, probably all of us, We've traveled down that very same road. 
See, here, here's a point that I, I want you to see loud and clear this morning. Paul is talking about the, the, the pain of sin, the power of sin. And here's what you need to understand. The pain and power of sin always leads to regret for a follower of Jesus. The pain of sin, the power of sin, always leads to regret for the follower of Jesus. And so with that, let's jump back into the parable of the prodigal son, and let's see what we can learn from Jesus' most famous parable. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. I'm just going to start from the beginning. We're not going to go all the way there yet. Verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property among them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, There was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. And so he went, and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Younger son basically saying to his father, I wish you were dead. There was no such thing as dividing the inheritance while Pops was still alive. That didn't happen. So when you made that request, you were basically saying, I'm so eager to get my cash, to get my money, to get my inheritance. I wish you were dead. It was one of the most cruel and awful things a child could say to a parent. If I'm that father, if many of us are that father, you know what our answer is? No way, Jose. Grab the shovel and get back to work. There's not a chance I'm giving you your inheritance now. Just for that, you're working an extra hour. Just for that, No cake for you tonight at supper. It would not even be considered. But this father is not an ordinary father. This father is what I would call an extravagant father. This father does the unthinkable. He honors his son's wishes. He probably knows that the younger son is headed for trouble. He probably knows that someone so young and irresponsible can't take charge of such a large inheritance, but the younger son gets the the cash and heads to Las Vegas or New Orleans or Amsterdam or, you know, wherever you went in the first century world, and he lives it up, and it's fun. For, For a season, it's enjoyable. For a time, the women, the wine... The wealth, no one looking over your shoulder. And then one day he wakes up and he finds himself in the pig pen. Literally in the pig pen. You've got to be really hungry to say, 
I wish I could eat what the pigs were eating. I wish I could fill my stomach with the pods the pigs were eating. And then there's two verses that kind of jump out at us that I want you to pay attention to. Look at verse 17. It says, when he came to his senses, he came to his senses. He had a wake-up call. He realized that the women and the wine and the wild living, it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be after all. Maybe Father really does know best. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He probably thinks back to the servants that every night push away from the table full. That every night have a roof under their heads. Every night live a pretty good life. He came to his senses. I believe for most of us that have had Apostle Paul-like experiences, there was a season when you came to your senses. When you said, you know, what am I doing? Look at verse 18. He comes up with a plan. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Um, I know we've got some kids in here this morning. And so I wanted to share with uh, the students one of my favorite movies from my, uh, from my growing up years. It's a movie by one of my favorite actors. He died like 20 years ago, John Candy. But it is, it is a scene that, um, that I will never forget. And I will probably be la- i got to turn my microphone off because I will probably be laughing out loud. Now, I know some of you can't see the screen because of the cross. Turn around. You can see it in the back. Check out this scene. Fuck! Why? Ah! 
Now, in full disclosure, if you've never seen that movie and you have children, there is one scene in that movie that is just absolutely awful. So I want to let you know ahead of time if you decide you want to go see the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. But um, here's the point. They're going the wrong way. And they're so caught up in the journey, they have no idea that two semis are bearing down upon them. Everyone looking at it knows what's going to happen. It's a fatal accident waiting to happen, but they're going the wrong way. I believe that in our account today, the young son, when he finally realizes where he is, where he came from, what his life has become, he realizes, I'm going the wrong way. I'm going the wrong way. And so that's where I want to challenge you today. Are you going the wrong way? What's that even mean, to be going the wrong way? I think for some followers of Jesus, we can have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, doing just enough Jesus things to to feel good. Not really being all in. Not really being sold out. The the book of Revelation talks about an entire church. The church at Laodicea that was just kind of lukewarm. Jesus said to them, you make me sick. I want to spit you out of my mouth. You're going the wrong way. For some trying to find happiness and fulfillment in everything that the world says will bring you joy. And just like the younger son, at some point, you'll probably find yourself in the pig pen. You're going the wrong way. And so this younger son in our parable today comes to a senses. But he does something that's difficult to do. I think it's especially difficult to do in 2016. He swallows his pride. He humbles himself and says, I'm going to make the decision to go home. See, it's a picture of the R word, repentance. It's a picture of biblical repentance. What is repentance? What is biblical repentance? Well, for a lot of followers of Jesus, they think that biblical repentance is saying, I'm sorry. Repentance means simply saying, I'm sorry. I've made bad choices, I'm sorry. I've traveled a road I shouldn't have traveled, I'm sorry. Biblical repentance is so much more than simply saying sorry. Biblical repentance is all about change. It's all about a change. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see studies on repentance. And in the the New Testament, the the language um, of the New Testament is Greek. And the Greek word for repentance is metanoia. Metanoia. And metanoia means the changing of one's mind. 
the changing of one's thinking, the changing of one's heart. Um, many of you know that I, I've been asked to serve on the Sheriff's Heroin Crisis Task Force. And we've had several meetings and several churches have come together and we're going to have a very special Sunday in October where, where we're, we're going to share a lot about what is happening and what we think some of the, the answers to the scourge in our community is. But one of the things that I've had the opportunity to do is to come face-to-face to meet with multiple people that have battled drug addiction. And every single one of them had the same testimony. They spent much of their time on drugs saying sorry, but they could never stop. They were sorry for a season But it was just kind of a cycle. I'm sorry, and then I'm right back in it. And I'm sorry, and I'm right back in it. And I'm sorry, and I'm right back in it. But the ones who who find themselves in recovery and find themselves finding success in recovery have finally decided, no matter how that makes me feel, I know the consequence. I have to change. I have to stop. One person this week told me, I didn't think I'd see 30. And that woke me up. That I have to change. The Greek word metanoia, it's all about changing one's mind, changing your thinking, changing your heart. Well, in Hebrew, there's a Hebrew in the Old Testament, there's a Hebrew word, teshuva. And interestingly enough, the word for repentance means to return. It means to return. And so when you think of some in the Old Testament that strayed away, when they finally decided enough's enough, when they finally decided, I can't travel down that road anymore, there was an actual act of returning to the Lord. And so if we were to, and I don't know if we're supposed to do this or not, but we're going to do it, we're going to combine those two concepts into one, merge these two concepts, and here's what you have, to change your thinking and to return from where you came. To change your thinking and to return from where you came. It's not just enough to head back. It's not just enough to say, I've got to change. You've got to combine the two. That's what the younger son did. He came to a census. He said, I'm in the pig pen. What am I doing in the pig pen? And he said, I've got to come home. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to ask the band to come up at this time. Um, We're going to do our invitation a little bit different in about five minutes than we typically do. Um, And we're going to actually invite you, if you want to, to actually respond. You have on the pew in front of you where the Bibles and the hymnals go, just sheets of paper. And some of them have writing on one side and they're blank on the other. And some of them just have lines on one side. And I, I would love it if you want to for everyone to grab a piece of that paper right now. Just grab a piece of that paper. I, I want to think about King David this morning. You know, King David was the ultimate hero of the faith. He really was. He was a man after God's own heart. King David had songs written after him after he slayed the giant David and Goliath 
The people made up a song. It was a song about the king, and it was a song about David. And it said, Saul the king has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. When they're writing songs about you, you're doing something right. Your life's going in the right direction. God loved David so much that in 2 Samuel chapter 7, he poured out just the second unconditional covenant promise in the Bible. He told Abraham, I'm going to make you nation, land, blessing. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God just pours out the love for David. David had it all. And then it happened. In the springtime, when the kings went off to war, David stayed in Jerusalem. And a couple verses later, he can't sleep at night. He's a warrior. He's missing the battle. He doesn't know what to do. So he goes for a walk on the palace rooftop. And he sees a beautiful woman bathing. Her name's Bathsheba. Now, David has many wives, but he doesn't have Bathsheba. Doesn't have her yet. And before long, the man after God's own heart becomes an adulterer and a deceiver and a murderer. He thinks he's going to get away with it. He thinks that he's just a little smarter than everybody else, and he is a little bit smarter than everybody else, except for God. And so Nathan the prophet comes and confronts him. And David's really got a choice. He could have Nathan the prophet killed. He is the king. He could make a proclamation that he's the king and he can do whatever he wants to do. Or he could change. He could decide to come home. Listen to his words that he writes. He says, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you, Lord, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Cleanse me with the hyssop. I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. The king who had it all finally realized the error of his way. And he began to move beyond regret. And so why do you have a piece of paper in your hand? I, I want to just invite you today, wherever you at, are at, if you have regret, maybe multiple regrets, I want to invite you to write that out. Don't show your neighbor. This is just between you and God. You don't want to do it. Crumple the paper up and don't do it. But I think one of the real tricks of Satan is to get us to buy that thinking that Paul shared in Romans chapter 7. That I'm a wretched man. That you're a wretched man. Because sin is powerful. Samuel and the team are going to play a, just a, a very special song about coming home. We, we invite you to join us in singing if you want.
But as this song is being sung, we have the cross. We have a, a little basket at the foot of the cross. And if you've got regret, write that regret and lay that regret at the foot of the cross. Give it to Jesus. Give it to the great high priest. Give it to the one time for all time sacrifice for your sins. Adam, Cody, and myself are going to be up front. And if you'd like someone to pray with you during this time, I'd be honored to pray with you. I'm going to pray, we're going to stand, and we're going to sing. God, thank you for today. And God's sin is awful. God, regret, it's real. And God, so right now, we just take a couple minutes and we give these minutes to you. There's no sin that we have committed. There's no indiscretion that we've been a part of that is too great for your love, for your forgiveness. John put it like this, that you are faithful and you are just. And if we confess our sins, you will forgive us of our sins and you'll purify us from all unrighteousness. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your grace. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me, please? I invite you, if you feel led, to come.
earth has no sorrow I want to let you know that um, I'll be up front following the service, as will some of the other guys. If, if you want to talk, we, we would love to do that. Um, I want to thank you all for worshiping with us today and encourage you to uh, continue to spread the word about our, our study, Finding Your Way Back to God. Now, next week, Apple and Pork Weekend, one service, 9.30 a.m. No programming at 8.15, no programming at 10.45, so spread the word one service next week. And then just as I get ready to close in prayer, special shout out to everyone that helped with the mobile food pantry yesterday. 143 different families were served. It was a beautiful day. The rain stayed away. We couldn't do it without you. So let's close our service with a word of prayer. God, thank you for today. And I just thank you for your grace. I thank you that we don't have to live lives of regret any longer. That uh, because of Jesus, sin has been conquered. And we can come ju just as we are. And so God bless us as we leave this place. Help us to be the kind of Christians that are infectious. That have smiles on our faces. That love people like you love people. 
Give us chances this very week to be the salt of the earth and be the light of the world. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. God bless.